we're going to continue on our little study we've been doing about ministries. Um, last week we had a good one. <laughs> had to pray with people. That was fun. <laughs> Don't shake their heads. <laughs> their chest. Uh, um, <laughs> this week we're going to talk a little bit about the ministry of giving. This is everyone's favorite thing. So let's, we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, let's just pray before we, before we start. Yes, Lord. Jesus, God, I thank you for your, your spirit that's here, God, your presence. God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would God, get a hold of our hearts. God, continue to work. I pray, God, let us I'll draw closer to you. I pray, God, let your will be done. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you make everything clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a few verses to start off. We're going to spend most of our time in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. But um, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 to 8. I'm going to put my glasses on. Sorry. It's just smudged. It's hard to see. It's the worst thing with glasses. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 8 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Uh, Romans 12 and 8, uh, we've mentioned this a few times already. It says, He that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And then 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 to 12, this is where we'll take most of our stuff from tonight. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. <laughs> liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying, with, uh, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and also and unto us by the will of God. And so much that we desired Titus that as he had began, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. And therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who has begun before, not only to do, but also to be a forward a year ago, to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be a first, if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Wonderful. I don't know why it's hard to read sometimes. It's all these that's and nots, and I should practice talking like that regularly. Um, 
We learn about money uh, as kids. Generally, that's where it starts. Uh, we learn it from our, our parents, generally. That's the first sort of concept we have, the first place we learn. Some parents give their kids allowance. Uh, you know, you get birthday money. Um, I had a paper route when I was, I don't know, middle school, I think, or grade nine or something. I had a, you know, we have paper routes. We, we shovel the neighbor's walkways. We um, mow their lawns. Whatever it is, you know, that you can get, do to get money, and you kind of learn as a as a kid, um, and you learn your sort of spending or saving or giving habits. Generally, kind of start with your your parents. Um, my grandfather is a big saver. I know you. We all know people like that. <laughs> Just got money stashed everywhere around the house, like. Oh, go give me that book. You bring it over, there's money in it. Like, I just got it all over the place. I don't know. Doesn't trust the banks or something. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I learned something from him. You know, they always have something hidden somewhere for a rainy day. You know, that's where we learn um, our first money habits or anything. You know, starts from our parents. And our, our parents' philosophy or patterns of giving are the beginning of our understanding of, of stewardship. And stewardship just means uh, the management of time or talents or possessions that have been entrusted into your care. So, so basically it's somebody gives you something and you take care of it. You know, somebody lets you live in their house, you know, and your only job is to take care of the house, you know, you're, you know that's part of it, that sort of thing. So as we grow, we, we sort of reshape or we change um, or we develop our own type of behaviors with, with money and, and giving and saving and all that. And as we do it, we figure out you know, how we will steward our lives, our finances, and everything we have. And, and Paul, he was working with these churches in Macedonia, and he was very inspired by them. He was impressed by them so much that he you mentioned them in um, 2 Corinthians 8. He saw that they had a desire to give, even though they had very little to give. Um, Money-wise, they didn't have very much. Uh, we read in verses 1 and 2, chapter 8. It says, Moreover, brethren, what do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia? How that in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. In the modern English, it says, Moreover, brothers, we want you to experience the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty overflowed toward the riches of their generous giving. So he used them as an example to the, the church in Corinth, or the Corinthians, that um, raising money or giving money to, to the church, um, they were trying to get something happening in Jerusalem, so they were collecting um, some money to send to Jerusalem to help that church. And, you know, the church of Macedonia didn't have a lot of money, but they gave whatever they had liberally. They were pretty you know, free with it. They were excited to give it. And it, it struck Paul, like, you know, have you ever been on any sort of missions trip or been to, you know, a country that maybe doesn't have a lot of stuff? We went in Benin. Um, we went to one church and we preached. I think I told you this. And, you know, after service, the, this woman came up with a big basket, like, this 
are just full of oranges and pineapples and some bananas and stuff. And she just went down on the altar, and then some other people came, and they just started bringing all this fruit for us. They didn't have a lot of stuff, but they started, they gave us all the stuff, because they're so excited that we came, and it was pretty awesome. And I, I don't even, that woman was strong. Like, she had it on her head, I couldn't even, like, it was like this high, full of oranges. Like, that weighs a bit. She just had it on her head. I don't know how she got it up there, but she got it down by herself. I don't know. It was pretty crazy. But they came, and they just, you know, they filled the whole altar. We... We, we had a, the missionary's SUV and we just filled the trunk with fruit and we gave a bunch away because we, had, we couldn't bring it all. And we just, I don't know, I had to get an orange juice maker to use all the oranges. There was so much, but it was, it was wonderful. You know, they, they didn't have a lot, but they, they gave what they had. And it, it just, you know, it's something I always remember. And that's kind of like the church in Macedonia. They didn't have a lot of stuff, but what they had, they gave... What they, what they could, and they were, you know, excited about it. And Paul, you know, that stood out to Paul. So he's talking to this church in Corinth that maybe isn't as, you know, bad off financially as a church in Macedonia, and he's using them as an example to show them about how to, how to give generously from your heart. <clears throat> so he was, he was telling them that it, it was necessary for the church to grow, you know, for them to be able to to send money to Jerusalem. Um, and it shows trust in God that, you know, we believe that God's going to meet our needs even though we're trying to help yes. somebody else. Yes. You know, it's, yeah. it's basically you're saying, you know, God, I only have this, but I, I, trust, I trust it to you, mm-hmm. and I give it to you, and I know that you're going to supply for me. I know you're going you're gonna to bless it. And, and giving, you know, giving has potential that goes beyond what we understand. And so throughout the Bible, we are shown, you know, different principles of stewardship. Um, and the, the Bible teaches principles of giving to the work of God, providing for our families, and giving to the less fortunate. So, um, but, you know, if we really believe, you know, that God is our provider, if we believe, you know, that, you know, God's blessed us, and everything we have is given to us from God. You know, everything we have, you know, belongs to God, and we are just stewards of it. You know, it's our job to take care of what He's given us. And so what kind of stewards, you know, should we try to be? If we want our faith, we want our knowledge and our love to continue as we grow and as we walk with God. You know, so giving is also a thing that needs to grow with us. And you can't separate it. It needs to come, needs to come together. <clears throat> so, um, as the Macedonians, we need to expand our growth in our relationship with God and begin to look at giving differently. And, and that changes our understanding of the ministry of giving. All right. So the first thing we need to know is giving is necessary. Um, God owns everything. Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. I don't know about you, but I live in the world. Amen. Yes. I dwell therein. Yes. Most of us do. I met some people. I'm not sure if they came from here, but <laughs> you know we are living here, and that includes us. Yes. We are. We are the the, the Lord's. Amen. Psalm fifty one or fifty verse ten to twelve says, "For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills." 
I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. God's saying, if I'm hungry, I don't need to come asking you. Because I own everything. I don't need to come asking you for, for some food. I, I own everything. You know, everything's mine. So if everything's God's, everything that we have has been given to us by God. So God's given us everything we have and we are stewards or managers of these possessions. And every day we decide how we're going to spend them, and every day we decide how we're going to invest God's assets. And it's important for us to give back to God from the blessings He's given us. And there's a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity, and the guy that wrote it named Randy Alcorn, he said, As long as I still have something, I believe I own it. But when I give it away, I relinquish the control. When I recognize God as the owner of myself as a servant and the other people as intended beneficiaries of what God has entrusted me, it doesn't strip me of my vested interest. Rather, it shifts my vested interest from earth to heaven, from self to God. He's basically saying, you know, when I give, it changes my focus you know, on myself to, to God. And that's what Paul is telling the church in Corinth to do. They had faith, they had knowledge, of the word, they had a passion for Jesus, they had a passion for, for the lost, they, they loved, they had everything else all together, um, but they were missing this one thing. And Paul encouraged them to give because giving to needs of others is a true test of faith. It shows the true desires of our heart and it shows our priorities. You know, somebody said, I can tell you what your priorities are just by looking at what, looking at your bank account. Right? Mine would be food. <laughs> Takes a lot to feed everybody. But, you know, where your priorities are, that's where you're going to spend your money, that's where you're going to spend your, your time. Yes. You know, we all have, you know, bills to pay. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. That's ridiculous. <laughs> we don't want everybody to go into debtor's prison. I don't think that's a thing anymore, but we don't need everybody going bankrupt. Obviously, you know, we have responsibilities. Yes. But, and when after that's taken care of, you know, what we do with the rest is shows where your priorities where priorities are. And the Bible says that we're supposed to give as we purpose in our hearts. So how do we decide, you know, how much to give? How do we decide what to give? Um, Paul gave the Corinthian church a few principles to follow. Um, he said that we should follow through on previous Promises. So if you say, you know, God, I'm going to do this, we should do our best to do that. If you say, God, I'm going to give $50 a month to missions, you know, we should do our best to, to honor that. 1 Corinthians 8 that we read, um, 8, 9, 8, sorry, 10 and 11 says, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. So in normal English, you know, if you promise to give it, give it. And you said a year ago you were going to do it, so and you haven't done it, so you know, you should do it. That's what you said you were going to do. And he says that we should give as much as we're able to. In Second Corinthians 8 and 12 it says, For if there be, a, be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So don't give what you don't have. Right? You know, don't take out a loan to give to missions or whatever, you know. You know give what you have, not, 
Right. You yeah. know. Yes. That one's pretty, Amen. pretty simple. Yes, it is. Um, we should make up our own minds concerning how much we give. Second uh, Corinthians nine and seven says, "Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver." Amen. So whatever you know, you feel in your heart, you can't force somebody to give, or it's not really, right. you know. God loves a cheerful giver, not somebody that's begrudgingly giving or feeling guilty into giving. Amen. We should give a, a proportion of what God has given us. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed, sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So normal English also again. If God gives us stuff, we give from what we have. And as we give, he blesses and gives more. So God blesses us so that we can bless others. I know we all know this sort of thing, but just bear with me, okay? God blesses us so we can bless others, but we need to be responsible too. You don't, you know, you need to pay your bills, you need to feed your family, you need to have clothes and gas in the car to get here. You know, you need things to be taken care of. So, you know, give responsibly. It does um, but that doesn't take faith out of the equation. A lot of times people will give and maybe stretch their budget a bit, you know, maybe sacrifice and say, you know, I'm not going to go to Tim Hortons this week and I'm going to give whatever that would, you know, would normally spend or I'm not going to do this, you know, and, you know, skip this for the week or, you know, cancel this subscription, you know, those sorts of things, you know, things that aren't necessities, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, if God leads us to give sacrificially, you know, above our means, he's going to honor that. Um, There's a story I heard. um, There was a kid that had a four-wheeler, and he wanted to raise money for missions. And there was a convention in his district, I don't remember where it was, but he brought the keys to the four-wheeler and and to to the conference. I think it was a youth convention or something like that. And he said he wanted to sell it to whoever in the, the service that wanted to buy it, he wanted to sell it, and he was going to give the, the money to missions. And there was a man in, in the crowd that was so moved by it, he bought, he bought it, or I don't know, a couple thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, whatever it was that he wanted. And he took the keys and he gave it back to the kid. He said, no, you take it and go home. And the kid gave the keys to the preacher and said, sell it again. Yes. <laughs> And they sold it, like, I don't know, it was over 10 times. Like, they just kept selling it, and they raised so much money. I think the kid ended up with it at the end anyway, but, you know, he just had a willingness to give. Yes. <laughs> just sell it again, dude. Yes. It's a good fundraiser. <laughs> you know, they raised several thousand dollars through, through him just <laughs> selling it over and over again. And another story, um, Miko, you know, Miko Carter that was here for Kids Weekend. Um, when he was 18, I don't know if you heard this story or not. Um, <laughs> he was 18, I think, 17, 18, and they had a faith promise service in, in their church, and he felt that God wanted him to give $800 a month to missions, which is huge. It's, you know, he only worked a part-time job at the grocery store, not making crazy money, but he felt like that's what God wanted him. He told his father, who was the pastor, and he was like, well, Okay, you know, you know, God's gonna come through. He didn't want to. You're crazy. He didn't want to, you know, to squash his faith or whatever. Um, 
So he said, I'm going to do it. And then all these things started opening up for him. That's when his kids' ministry kind of started taking off. People started calling him to come preach that he didn't even know. And, you know, things started happening. And then, you know, you got money that way and paid for it. Every month it seemed like something would happen. There was a, a minister that was preaching at a, a conference somewhere that heard the story. And he signed his check over from the conference to Miko to pay for it. He, um, the people just would hand him random money. And every, every month for a year... The $800 came in, yes. which is amazing. Yes. Paid it every month. And then um, he, he planned to go to Bible school for a year, and he didn't have the money because he'd given it all to missions. And uh, I think it was Brother Kenny or somebody was doing a faith promise service out in BC and had told Miko's story, you know, kind of get people's faith up. And there was a guy that had just come into the church, um, and he heard the story. And so he called him and he wrote a check and paid for his whole tuition and sent it to him. Miko's never met the man since. Or never, never doesn't even know what he looks like or anything. And the guy just wrote a check, covered his whole tuition. Uh, he ended up preaching a kid's service in Alberta. He met the man's daughter, which is kind of cool. But like this, God just took care of, took care of everything. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, that's not something that happens always, but he felt like God wanted him to to put that number down and give sacrificially and God God honored it. So sometimes God will speak to us to do something like that. Yes. You know, and if you know you know it's from God, He's gonna yes. He's gonna come through. Right. Um, another story. There was a pastor in their church and they were saving money to build a new sanctuary because they were outgrowing um, their current building. And during this this fundraising effort, you know, they're, they're building drive or whatever, a missionary came and he presented a, a need for a new building in his, his country that they were, they were from. And the pastor felt that God wanted him to give money to the missionary to help pay for it. But he struggled with it because the only money they had was the money that was in the, the building fund. And you know he felt so strongly about it. He, he talked with um, some of the people that had given money I talked it over with everybody, and they decided to give the money to the missionary. And then, you know, God, you took that money and you know, started to build that building there. And he honored their faith, and he provided all that money again from a new source. And today they have a new, newly constructed building. So there's times where we give sacrificially, times we give, you know, through faith, and God comes, comes through. You know, we've heard lots, I've heard lots of stories, I know you guys have to do about you know, people just receiving checks in the mail and all this crazy stuff. You know, God always comes through. Amen. And so we shouldn't, give, we shouldn't give reluctantly. We should be cheerful and we should give with, with faith. Um, yes. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 2 again says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed in the church of the Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. So Paul uses this Macedonian church as an example to inspire the Corinthian church to follow through on a pledge that they had made previously. When the church of Macedonia was started, there was a lot of opposition. And, but God's grace was evident in their giving despite of the, the bad circumstances and all the, all the persecution they went through. And by using this example of the church of Macedonia, he was encouraging the Corinthians to follow this same sort of pattern of generosity. 
The Macedonians were um, you know, rock bottom poor, but they were happy because of the opportunity to give in response to the needs of other believers. God's grace opened their hearts to give other finances, and giving to others in their time of need will bring satisfaction in knowing that we have joyfully followed God's leading. We're not, you know, we're not forced to give. We're not to give because somebody makes us give or twists our arm or makes us feel guilty or anything like that. We're supposed to give because we want to out of our, out of our heart. And first, Second Corinthians 8, 3-5 says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and behold their power. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So this church in Macedonia, they gave willingly. They, they pretty much, it sounds like they, they, they begged Paul that he would take this. They prayed that he would take it. He said, take this money, we, we, we want to give it to you. And giving needs to come from our heart. And not because we feel obligated, not because we're guilted, not because we're forced to. And Paul made sure that the Corinthians understood that he wasn't ordering them to give. He wasn't telling them to give. He wanted to help them understand what it meant to give. And show that the Macedonians were following Jesus' example. They were poor, but they, they gave. And the Corinthians said that they loved Paul. They loved his ministry. They loved you know, the work of God. And he asked them to prove that. And we give because we love, you know? Because we give gifts to your, your kids, your, your spouse, people in your family, your friends. We have secret sisters, you know? Amen. Do it because you hate people. You do it because you love them, right? You give because you love. Amen. You know, and that's the same with, same comes to God. We give to missions because we love, we love missions. Yes. We love the gospel. We love to see the church grow. We give to the church because we love... You know, the people here, we love, we love Jesus, we love His Word, we want to see it, we see it grow. So, it's, uh, giving is an evidence of love, it's not something that we're forced or pressured to do. And Christians should give because of their love for God and for His people. It's a love for those who have ministered to them and for those that have needs that can be met. We should give because we love people and because we love the work of God and we should give cheerfully. Second Corinthians 9 and 7. For God love, loveth the cheerful giver again. So giving and the attitude in which we give are just as important. Yes. <clears throat> and God is able to provide. Amen. God is able to make all grace abound towards us. Yes. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8. Again, <laughs> every man according to his, as he purposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God's grace is given to us without limits. We don't do anything to deserve his grace, but he freely gives it to us. And Jesus came and lived on this earth for 33 years, and he knew what it was to feel joy with others. Um, to experience sorrow and death, to experience disappointments. He knew what all that was like, and through his humanity, he also understood grace. And given the resources God has provided us, we should use them to their fullest potential. We're called to be his hands 
in his feet. And when we give back to him, the resources he gives to us will be enough. And God is able to provide enough. We don't, we don't give in order to get back. But the principle is there in the Bible that if you do give, God will bless you and provide also. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So the principle is there that if we give, you know, God's going to give back and God's going to bless back and he's going to take care of us. So God is our provider. He sees every gift we give. And although our gifts may not be the largest, God sees our heart and God's heart is moved by our giving. And God is able to meet all of our needs. You know, the story of Jesus with the, the widow with the two mites. And he said this woman has given more than everybody else and she only gave a couple of cents, but that's all she had. She gave everything she had and that was more impressive to him than all the rich people coming in and dropping their hundreds and whatever, whatever numbers they used. That was more impressive to them, to him. He knows our heart. You know, the number is not what's important. It's, it's the heart and it's the, um, it's giving, you know, generously from our heart. So we can be sure that God will meet our needs no matter what they are. And all we need to do is surrender what we have to him and he will take care of our needs. But if we think and we act like we don't need God and we try to do everything on our own and we don't give and we hoard everything, you know, he's not going to give back. You're not going to receive anything and because you're, you're made that decision. I don't need, I don't need God. I, I want to keep this all my, myself. Psalm 23 and 1, we all know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which means, I won't lack anything. He's going to take care of me. Um, Psalm 34 and 10, and the New King James says, Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm 37 and 25 says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Matthew 6 and 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Philippians 4, 19, God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And there's a difference between our wants and our needs. We know this. We may not receive everything we want, but God will supply everything that we need. Um, there was a, another story, there was a small apostolic church and they began to see um, an increase in attendance, they began to see growth, you know, all across the board. And the building that they were meeting in was no longer large enough to fit everybody. And the, the pastor believed that the church shouldn't go into debt to build a new facility. So they started fundraising and, you know, gathering money so they could, you know, expand with it getting a loan and all that. And and people started, you know, to give to it. And they started pledging to the project without even being asked. And there was a newly a newlywed couple and they made a pledge of a certain amount, knowing that knowing, knowing that they couldn't um, afford it. They just felt impressed to give it, like Miko with his eight hundred a month. They felt impressed to, that God was leading them to give it. So they, they wrote it down and they, they gave it uh, and 
Shortly after making the pledge, they received a letter from the IRS in the States stating that they had overpaid past taxes and the enclosed check that they got was for the exact amount that they had pledged. There's all kinds of stories like that, you know, where God has impressed on people to give and he always comes through. Amen. The old saying is, you cannot give God. So if we're willing to give, God will supply us the resources to be a channel of his blessing. Hallelujah. We become the hands of Jesus when we let his resources flow through us. Hallelujah. And God provides the means for us to accomplish his work through our, our finances, our time, and other resources that we have. Right. Thank you, Jesus. So the Macedonians, again. <laughs> um, the Macedonians gave in spite of their persecution, in spite of the troubles the hard circumstances, and the suffering that they were going through. Their giving didn't come from the abundance of resources, but it came from sacrifice and cheerful, um, cheerful heart. And although they had suffered from many problems because of their faith, they didn't allow these circumstances to stop them from giving. Jesus was their example, and he loved us so much that he became a servant and gave his life for others. The Macedonians' love reflected the same love of Jesus. They loved him so much that they gave sacrificially of what little they had in order to advance the work in, in Jerusalem. And they were, you know, they were experiencing terrible poverty, and they struggled to take care of their own families. But even during that, they found a way to give. And the amount they gave wasn't important. They gave it because it was the right thing to do. They gave out of their dedication to Christ and love for their brothers and sisters and knew that God would provide for them if they surrendered everything to Him. Um, when we were in Ghana, we did a, a service the last night of the crusade. And I didn't really understand what was going on, but you know, the, one of the preachers came out and he just put a chair with a, a basket. And you know, these people don't have a lot of money. You know, they don't have a lot of stuff. It's a little town, middle of nowhere, didn't have a church there. But all these people just started coming and putting in money. Yes. Just putting in five CDs or 20, whatever they had, change, bills, whatever, to, to help buy a, a piece of land to build a church in that Thank town. You, and it was just incredible, just wave after wave of people kept coming and they're all dancing and they're going down and giving their money. And they didn't have a lot, but they gave cheerfully and it was it was really neat to see and you know that's kind of what what happened here and god doesn't he's not concerned because god has all the resources Amen. right yes. and he wants to see if we're going to do it cheerfully he wants to see the love of jesus come out in our lives so that's you know that's that's all it's about really just giving from from your heart and he will come through and he will provide Amen. <clears throat> And the Macedonians' attitude, even though they had um, tough circumstances, they gave with a joyful heart to the church in Jerusalem. They shared what little they had in order to encourage others. And that was uplifting to them. Yes. And they had a good attitude. Yes. For, um, chapter 8, verse 12 says, for, there, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to that he hath not. So it didn't matter that they only had a little bit to give. What mattered was that they trusted God with their needs and they're willing to give on what they did have. God doesn't expect you to give a million dollars if you don't have a million dollars. 
you know, it's not about that. It's about giving one what you have is what he's expecting. Unless he tells you to give 800 a month or whatever, you know, that's different. But generally, in the everyday type of thing, you know, that's what he's not expecting us all to imagine. We all came in, here's a million dollars. Amazing. But, you know, we don't have it, so we can't give that. Right? So, it's according to what we have and not what we don't have. Does that make sense so far? And they believed this so much that they gave with an attitude of cheerfulness despite their circumstances. Even though they were poor, they were still cheerful in their giving. So our ministry of giving, so we're supposed to give generously, we know this. Um, But we have different things we can give. You know, it's not always just money. You know, people say, church, just want your money, money, money. That's not, you know, everything. It's not all money. We have time that we can give. And often, you know, we only think of money as our only resources, but there's a lot of other things in the world that are valuable. And time is one of the most valuable things that we have because you can't get it back. You can get your money back. Guaranteed. (laughs) But you can't get your time back. And, you know, it's one of the most important things, most valuable things we have inside of our, our health is our, is our time. So if we, we develop a lifestyle of giving or a ministry of giving, it's not just money, but it's, it's time, it's other things. So how do we budget our time in regard to family, work, worship, and rest? You know, they're all important things. Um, so that's something we need to look at. You know, to give ourselves to ministries of the church teaches our children and others, you know, valuable lessons when they see you serving, they see you doing things. You know, it speaks to them that you know, this is an important thing. Um, I told you about my mom. She was a Sunday school director, and I hated going to church every night of the week when it was time to decorate. Was, you know, the the basement of the church in St. John is bigger than a couple, maybe a couple sizes, maybe four of these, maybe. Is pretty big, and she would decorate the whole thing, like the whole walls, and we'd have to cut out and tape, and it was brick, and it would fall down. You know how it works, and <laughs> it was awful. And we'd be there for days. Like she'd work till five thirty. We'd go through a drive-through or something, go to church, and we'd be there till nine, ten at night. Go home and do it again. You know, it was awful. I hated it, but through her <laughs> doing that. You know, that left that impression on me that this is important. Yes. You know, and she taught me that church is important. And we don't have a lot of time, but we're willing to give it to this. Because this is an important thing. So when we, we give our time, we, we teach our kids, we teach our, our neighbors, our co-workers, like, what are you going to church again for? You know, we, we, we show them that this is an important, important thing. So giving of our time is an example of being, you know, generous. And you have to do that cheerfully too. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, talent. That's another thing that we have. You know, what, what do you love to do? What skills do you have? What special ability has God given you? You know, if we use our talents and our abilities, you know, as much as our financial resources, it helps the church grow. Amen. And we give of our, our talents too. Yes. One way to increase your talents is, you know, always be learning things, always be trying new things, and, you know, you find out things you're good at that maybe you didn't know you are good at. But we give up our talents. Your ability to impact the the local church, their community, and the kingdom of God will expand when we use our our talents and we give it to God. You know, if you can sing, sing. 
I can't. You guys know that. <laughs> if you can do anything, you know, if you're good at cleaning, clean. If you, you know, we had a couple come out here and clean all the leaves out of the, around the building. Yes. Which I didn't even think of because I don't know. I'm clueless. It looks a lot nicer, doesn't it? <laughs> so, you know, if that's something you're good at, and, and do it. You know, we had some guys come and help fix <laughs> fix the ground. It was all torn up. You know, clean some sticks. Josh here, he's a hard worker. You know, we we had we did these things. You know, it's our it's our talent and our time that we have, and we we gave it you know to God, and God honors it, and you know people notice it. It's good. Um, and then, you know, treasure. It's not just gold and precious metal, but also finances, what we've, we've talked about. Um, the Bible says you know, not to lay treasures up for ourselves, but to lay treasures in heaven. So when we give, you know, to church, to ministry, to missions, all this stuff, we're storing up treasures, you know, for eternity. Because what we give here is going to impact, you know, lives. It's going to impact future for people. You're going to meet people in heaven that you... You, you never even knew existed, but because you gave to something or you did something, yes. somewhere it impacted, impacted them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Jesus. Jesus said in Acts 20 and 35, I quote him and he says, it's, um, at the end, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We know that. Yes. Encouragement. We, we spend a whole week talking about that. But encouragement is something that we can give. You know, it doesn't cost us a lot. It's just a little bit of time, right. a little bit of thoughtfulness, yeah. and that's it. That's right. It doesn't cost a lot. It's not, right. you know, hard to say something nice. As well, some people maybe, but you know, it just give that little bit of encouragement. That's something we can give, but cheerfully. Yes. All this has to be done cheerfully, right? You don't say, you know what? Play the piano pretty good. <laughs> I hate it though. But. You know, <laughs> it's not really encouraging if it's not cheerful or <laughs> uplifting. So, you know, it all has to be done cheerfully. But encouragement is, you know, an important part of ministry, an important part of our of church. Um, <laughs> am I dying here? First Thessalonians five and eleven, in the English Standard Version, says, "Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, as you are doing it." In the King James, wherefore comfort yourselves together, edify one another, and build each other up, even as also ye do. So, you know, that's something we're supposed to do. Encourage each other, build each other up, and, you know, giving of that. And when Jesus was going to be crucified, the night he was, before he was to be crucified, he told his disciples he was going to send a comforter, an encourager. And that's what the Holy Ghost is. You know, Jesus was big on encouragement. He sent the Holy Ghost... To comfort us and encourage us. You know, that's pretty cool. You know, we want to be like Jesus. We should, you know, do this, some of this stuff. Um, another way we um, we can give of, we can give to the needs of, of the saints. Um, throughout the New Testament, we see where needs of the saints are being met by other people. Acts 2, 44 to 45, Romans 15, Galatians 6, and 2 Corinthians 8 that we've read a hundred times. Tonight, I'll give them to you after. <laughs> well, when we consider their needs, it should be noted that, you know, these needs aren't always physical needs. A lot of times we just focus on, you know, giving. Yes. Here's 50 bucks. Here's 20 bucks. Give it in my face. <laughs> right? When sometimes people need, 
you know, just somebody to listen to them. You know, that's, you know, somebody to pray with them, somebody to be there. You know, these are needs that we can meet, and it takes giving of ourselves. So spiritual and emotional needs as well. Um, and then one more, one more thing is um, to give anonymously. That's another thing. Some people like to give for attention. Yes. <laughs> There's a hockey player that rubs a lot of people wrong, um, P.K. Subban. He, gives, he gave all this money to, to charities, but he always makes videos about it and then posts it all over the place. And people are like, oh, what did he give? There wasn't a camera in his face. I don't know. But, he, you know, he's still giving. But, you know, you don't need to do it for attention, right? Because you're doing it for, for God. You're doing it for, you know, out of the goodness of your heart, not for, for attention. Um, um, Matthew 6, Jesus says that we need to watch our motives. You know, will we give if nobody else knew about it? You know, our, our acts, our giving should be God-centered and not self-centered. Right. <clears throat> One more little story. There's a family um, that experienced a fire in their home and it destroyed all their possessions. And when another family in the church who had been blessed financially became aware of it, they, they took the family who had um, had the fire to a furniture store and they replaced all the furniture that was lost. And they asked that it would not be broadcast to the church. Because mm-hmm. they didn't want, you know, know, they wanted to be anonymous. Yeah. You know, that's the right kind of attitude. Amen. You know, there's nothing wrong, you know, somebody said, you know, thank you, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to thank people, give praise where praise is due, but if you're doing it for, attention, for, for attention, attention, you know, your heart, you need to check your heart. Um, so why do we give? What is the motive to do so? You know, that's what we got to be looking at. It's important to continually grow in our relationship with God. And it's an area that we sometimes we overlook you know, when it comes to living for God. <clears throat> and if we allow God to disciple us in faith and knowledge and commitment and giving, we can make a difference in our family. We can make a difference in our local church. We can make a difference in our community, in our, in our province, and even have a, a global Impact, you know, because you guys gave, I was able to go to Ghana. I didn't have enough money on my own, but people helped provide so we could go. And we, we went, and you know, there's a church that's gonna, you know, be in that town that wasn't there before because of people that were willing to give. And um, so the Corinthian church had somehow lost the will to follow through on their commitment to give. And Paul was just reminding them of why we give and what to do. And they were willing, but they stopped short on the actual deed of giving. And willingness is not a substitute for giving. Our time, talent, and treasure are vital parts of giving our resources. And we need to make sure that we give them back to God. We shouldn't let anything get in the way of us um, stewarding taking care of what God has given us. It's all His, and we're just managers of His blessings. Does that make sense? Make it all clear? Okay, let's stand together, please.